Welcome to another episode of the Dan Norton Show. Today, I am here with Teddy Carney. I met Teddy through Facebook, as I've met uh, many of my viewers or followers. And uh, Teddy, has, he uh, wrote to me and said he was interested in having a conversation about some things. So, uh, Teddy, welcome to the show. Hey, Dan. Thanks for having me on. Appreciate it. Sure thing. So uh, we talked a little before we, we started uh, officially recording here about um, uh, what we were going to discuss, but why don't I just throw it over to you and you can uh, tell me and our audience what you want to talk about. You don't have to say everything. You could just raise one topic if you'd like to start, uh, one, one that you're interested in starting with, however you want to do it. Yeah, okay. Uh, sounds good. So I guess the oh, way I'll oh, start... just one thing oh, I forgot yeah. to mention to the audience, I'm wearing sunglasses because it's very bright outside. <laughs> Usually I'm in a more shady place when I record these episodes. So uh, sorry if it's, it's weird that I'm wearing sunglasses, but <laughs> for various reasons, this is the best spot for me to be right now. So um, I'm wearing shades. So uh, All right. Let me, let, let me give it back to you, Teddy. Go ahead. Okay. Um, yeah. So I guess the way I'll start it off is that even before I found objectivism it seemed like you know in a lot of movies and stuff like that you'll see you know if if the story revolves around someone being a slave right or like a society being enslaved or something like that it seems like the heroes right even like braveheart right it's like it's all about freedom right like freedom is the most important thing and people you know are like oh it's not really living if you're not free right and freedom is everything and then as i look at like kind of our society it seems like the farther we get into a society, right, and the more technologically advanced and the, and the more people there are, it seems like no matter where I look, freedom seemed to kind of shrink, right? And like the essence of freedom becomes less important than some things like safety or comfortability, right? So I wanted, I guess, to ask you, when do you think it begins to where people kind of start feeling more comfortable giving up freedoms in exchange for for really anything really um it probably seems like it's small at the start right um but then uh, you know as i'm sure you understand that you know as soon as you give government something it just kind of keeps keeps going and going so when do you think it, it kind of starts uh the the erosion of freedom or i mean i think yeah. one, one of the things you're um you're bringing up and it's getting back to some of the stuff we were talking about before we were um, officially were recording um i think maybe you're you're picking up on a kind of tribal mentality which has become more prominent over the last few years and people might say things that um, nominally sound good. I'm for freedom. I mean, pretty much everyone will say I'm for freedom. Um, who's going to deny that? But then when it gets down to concrete issues, um, you start to question, are, is someone really in favor of freedom? Like um, one thing that comes to mind is uh, Social Security or Medicare. Like people on the right, they 
the, the so-called rights, I think those terms are can be misleading sometimes. They fancy themselves to be uh, pro-freedom, but you know, is is a as a program like Social Security or Medicare really compatible with that? I don't think it is because these are programs you're forced to contribute to, um, and I think you know, freedom and force are opposites. Yet many people on the on the right, I, I don't think, want to give up these programs. So they're not really in favor of freedom, um, even though they, they might give lip service to it. So, uh, but you're, you're asking about something more specific, maybe when, when does that start? I mean, I don't, I don't know that the, they ever had a concept of freedom to begin with. Um, so, uh, they might have some vague notion of freedom that seems good, but they never really understood the principle of freedom. And this is not necessarily to fault them because I don't think our culture is taught very well what freedom really means. I think many people don't understand it. And they just have some kind of vague woozy notion of freedom. Uh, but they don't really understand the principle of freedom, uh, which I guess John Locke is the main originator of. He, he didn't have it perfectly. Uh, he thought God played a role in, in um, uh, humans having rights. And whereas you know, on my view, on Ayn Rand's view, uh, there is no God. So he didn't have a full conception of rights and freedom, but he made a... a a big leap forward, and I think Ayn Rand uh, uh, further increased understanding of rights. But I think most people they they don't really understand the nature of individual rights and freedom. They just have a kind of a woozy emotional um, uh, feel about it, a positive feel, but concretely they don't know how to implement that. So. Um, I don't know that it's an issue of, you know, when, when do people start losing the notion of freedom? When does it erode? It's, it might be partly they never had it to begin with. So um, I'm not sure if that addresses this sort of question you were asking, but I've been going on for a while. So let me just throw it back to you. And No, that was actually a really good answer. Because now that I, I think about it, especially reading Ayn Rand and kind of knowing what it's about, it seems like, you know, you, you, are probably right where it's just um do you like do you think that how am i trying to say this do you think that um based on like our history right how uh, like the u.s was founded and everything like like you said you know even though you know they they might not have gotten it right not to fault them do you think like uh, a society has to reach a certain point to to tr like really understand what freedom is and then implement it like or do you think it, it's possible to like maybe do that from the get-go or is there like a certain amount of time that has to pass um to where people are you know sufficiently free in some way to really understand what it is and maximize freedom in a certain way or do you think it's not possible or uh to, to reach like a a societal, a society where people embrace and endorse freedom. Um, yeah, 
um sorry let me just clarify what i'm i guess i'm trying to say so like primitive humans right like especially for like really early people right like religion it makes sense how they came up with it right like it makes sense you know how power was kind of like the most important thing right um and how you know feudalism was created like everything in human history kind of like makes sense right but then we reached a point where like um strength kind of seemed to matter less and less with like technology right like being a big strong man or whatever like doesn't really you know not a lot of people are working in the the fields anymore for for farming you know and stuff like that and like it seems like after a certain amount of time um the mind becomes more important and when the mind becomes more important uh, you kind of like start to understand that like the freer the mind is the better right and after a certain point, do you, do you think it'll like take over, or do you think that that string of thought just won't ever like fully take hold? Hmm. So you're you're painting a, a narrative where historically it started out with human beings, where strength or physical power was very important, and then over time the mind or mental powers became more important and yeah, um, yeah. i guess there's a there's a well one question is like is, is that was it always like that like i mean the uh i guess it makes sense that that um we started out in a more physical brutish kind of way of survival and then over evolutionary time because that's all we had we just had our our muscles and the best that um evolution could program into us but our minds developed over time to be more and more powerful um but we didn't always know how to use our minds i mean that's an achievement um to figure out how how to use your minds in a way that advances your survival um so i mean humans have been around for i don't know how how long where you would date it um but certainly long before someone like aristotle came along of course and you know he's the one who discovered logic and much about how the mind works, how we understand the world. Um, but he was only, what, 25 or 2,400 years ago. Um, but humans had been around for thousands and thousands, maybe millions of years before that. Um, but they hadn't discovered how to think correctly. Um, and there, you know, there's been much that's been discovered since the time of Aristotle, even. So it's an achievement to figure out how you use this, this very powerful survival tool that we have for a conceptual consciousness. That, that's what um, makes us radically different from other animals. They're largely perceptual. They don't have the capacity to think in abstract terms um, like we do. And um, but that's what makes humans super powerful compared to other other species. Um, 
So we've had this tool for thousands and thousands of years, but we haven't really figured out how to use it in a way that advances our survival um, until, well, I mean, <laughs> I think many people still don't understand how to use it very well. And they, they embrace things like faith, believing things without evidence. Um, take a, a pretty simple example of a misuse of the mind. That's basically throwing out your mind. I think when you, when you go by faith, you're not going by your irrational faculty. Um, so uh, it's an achievement to, to figure out how to use this survival tool that we have. And it's, it's an ongoing process of education that needs to happen. People need to be taught um, how to use their minds, how to think. And I think you know, objectivism plays a big part in that. I think Ayn Rand has discovered a lot about how humans need to think and act in order to successfully survive. Um, but many people uh, are unaware of her ideas, or they are, but they actively oppose them. Um, so th those are a few initial thoughts on uh, the sort of thing you were discussing, although I'm not sure, again, it, it directly addresses um, what you were asking. But let me throw it back to you and see what you have to say. Yeah, no, that that was good. Um, I didn't format my question uh, <laughs> super succinctly either way, but I, that was actually pretty much exactly what I was looking for. Um, so, uh, no, that thank you for that. I um, I have uh, another question. I was wondering you could hopefully maybe shed some light on, which is, um, I, I'm a big fan of like um like watching debates online, right? And there's like a lot of people that. Um, I watch from differing points of uh, points of view, but it seems like among them, regardless of kind of where they stand, it seems like every person, regardless of their political stance, kind of believes that a certain curb of freedom is necessary to preserve one thing or the other, or to create one thing or the other, right? Where um, I mean, even the people that I, you know, I was arguing with on that Facebook thread, right? They were arguing that it's okay to to force people to pay things or for things that had nothing to do with them because it's better for the society as a whole if you know public schools exist, right? Or you know, we take care of children, right? Like childcare, right, and stuff like that um, outside of the parents. And I was wondering why. Why do you think people feel comfortable curbing freedoms for certain things? Um, and then when it comes to things that they like, um, then all of a sudden, like freedom becomes like the most paramount thing, right? So like for an example, I think one of the, uh, the people there said that um, abortion was really wrong because it curbed like the freedom of the mother, right? And it didn't give them a choice and that making drugs illegal were bad because it should be people's choice but then they were in favor of you know f governmentally funded childcare or schooling right so what why do you think it's easy for people to do that with things that they almost arbitrarily steam to just be important to them and then if something isn't important to them freedom doesn't matter yeah um just for the audience's context so you you referenced the facebook thread so a little while ago um uh teddy 
was uh, debating on Facebook. And this is something I, I do a lot of. I'll post comments on Facebook. And um, I guess one of your recent debates, um, these sorts of issues came up. So why is it that um, people are kind of selective about what they, about when they endorse freedom? They're okay with freedom in some areas, like maybe with getting an abortion, but not in other areas. Uh, like uh, people should be forced to um, provide childcare or pay taxes so that other people can have funds to pay childcare. Why isn't there more consistency? Uh, I mean, I think part of this might just go back to the, the point I was making before, which is that they don't really understand the principle of freedom. And I guess they, they, they sense on some level it's, it's good, but they, they haven't been taught all of its applications and it's not necessarily obvious uh, what all the applications of freedom are or what all the implications of freedom are. There might be some evasion going on as well. So it's not necessarily a simple or straightforward answer for everybody. It might vary from person to person. Maybe some people, they just haven't considered the implications of freedom in, in various areas. Um, so it could just be ignorance to some degree, um, but maybe there's also some some tribalism going on, where they're they they have this feeling that they want to belong to this 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 group of people, and this group doesn't approve of certain things like um, freedom in childcare, or or maybe um, many people don't approve of uh, having no taxes at all. Um, they think there should be taxes to support things like childcare or medical care. And maybe some people just, they, they don't feel uh, comfortable going against that dominant view. It's, this is definitely a majority viewpoint that, uh, you know, people should be forced to pay for things. Um, so it, it could, maybe there's some fear involved also i think when when you put it in certain ways like should be should people be forced to pay for things to make it clear what's going on that people are being forced i think people are they can become more reluctant to go along with that so if you say should be should people be forced to pay for things they'd be less likely to say yes than if you say is it good for people to have child care <laughs> That sounds good, right? Who's 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 going to be against childcare or healthcare? These are great things. Don't we want people to have that? Well, yeah, unless uh, maybe unless it involves looting other people. So a lot of what I try to do in these debates is make clear what the implications of their their views are. So if you frame things in certain ways, they can seem much better than they are, and. Um, you know, framing often leaves out important things. So a lot of what I try to do in online debates is 
um, reframe things, bring things to the surface, put a spotlight on things, make explicit things that are just kind of woozy or in the background, um, not being paid attention to, but that are relevant. And if they were brought into the forefront of people's attention, they would have a, or at least more likely would have a different view of them. At least it's not gonna be as obvious that childcare is a good thing if it's clear that that involves forcing people or looting from people. I always often use terms like that. Um, so uh, I don't know that there's a simple answer to your question um, as to you know why people are pro-freedom in some areas, but not others. But I, those are some of the considerations I think that uh, might go into explaining it. And just to, okay, yeah. yeah. Just to kind of uh, recap that in a, a bit more concise form. So I think some of it could be evasion, um, which might be motivated by um, fear of being ousted by some tribe they belong to, informally <laughs> tribe, uh, not like an official tribe. Um, right. But maybe there's also just ignorance on, on some people's part and they just haven't been taught that um, freedom requires certain things and here's a bunch of implications of freedom, applications of it in various areas. I think most people aren't taught that. Um, so I don't think it's very surprising that people don't have a consistent principled understanding of freedom. Most people I don't think have ever been exposed to that. Yeah, no, good answer. I appreciate that. Um, okay, um, I guess I'll uh, I'll switch it up on you a little bit. I have a uh, kind of a less I don't know esoteric question for you, and more of like a specific thing. Um, I'm not sure how much you know about. Um, this is gonna seem like a, a out of nowhere question. I'm not sure how much you know um, about Taiwan, um, but like. I've just like recently kind of like found out about Taiwan and what's going on with it, right? And um, my girlfriend and I were like looking at it and it, it looks like when you, when you see like a country like Taiwan, who's like actively struggling to remain independent and not be taken back over by China, who's like the worst in my opinion. Um, and like Taiwan has, I mean, I'm looking at it right now, like 94 out of 100 for like freedom, right? Like they have great political rights and civil liberties and they're relatively new, like when it comes to their independence, right? And it seems like this is like a heroic country, right? Who's like standing up to someone like an authoritarian government who wants to take them over. And they have a lot of like personal freedoms, economic freedoms from what I can tell. And like there's polls, right? where. The Taiwanese people are pulled like, do you like China or do you like the U.S.? And it's like 85% of them like the U.S. or at least, you know, like the idea of the U.S. And it seems disheartening to me um, as someone in the U.S. to see a, a Chinese country, essentially, or whose people are Chinese, um, kind of being the country that it seems like, at least ideally, you know, I thought the U.S. was. You know, like it seems like Taiwanese people are striving to be more free, be more independent, 
and young people, you know, like the idea of freedom. And then I look at polls in the U.S., right, especially around my age group, where people seem to be, um, especially my age group, like socialism more, right? They don't like capitalism. They don't like freedom, right? They they like they don't mind taking away freedoms for things, especially if that's in their political spectrum. So I guess, <laughs> I guess I'm asking you for, um, like, why do you think, like? Can you give me uh, like a beacon of hope as to like why why you think the U.S. you know is like still you know really good or like why you know it, it, is it like a lost cause or like just what's I guess what's your opinion on the U.S. as a whole as like I got I don't know like Taiwan is like a you know measuring stick for you know a new country kind of doing what I think we should be doing. Oh man, there's there's, there's a lot there. Um, I, I don't have much knowledge of. Taiwan specifically, um, but I have noted the the kind of thing you're talking about, where it seems like other people and people in other countries are more patriotic than the U.S. are for the U.S. Uh, like Hong Kong is another case that comes to mind, where um, you see them waving these American flags uh, as part of their protest against China and. Um, I remember seeing some commentary online about how they seem more um, like they don't really know what's going on in the U.S. because there's so much erosion of freedom going on here. Like, um, but what they take us to stand for is freedom, and I mean to a significant degree. I think there is still um, freedom in the U.S., but it's it's definitely under attack. It's it's. Um, I mean, in some ways, I think it's 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 gotten better uh, in terms of freedom, like race racially. Um, I guess uh, there there's more freedoms for people of any race now than there were before, um, like in the Jim Crow days or slavery, True, of yeah. course. Yeah. Um, so there has been progress there, um, or maybe the treatment of gays. Uh, there, I don't know what kinds of um, legal uh, freedoms they lacked uh, before, or if they did, but it seems like there's more. I'm not sure if that's a good example, but women maybe is is another example. Increased freedom for women in terms of right to vote. Um, so there has been progress in some ways in the U.S., but I think there's also been uh, uh, retrogression, um, backsliding in other ways. So I think economically uh, we're much less free in in important ways than we were in the 19th century late 19th century um, when there was little or no taxes um, and all these regulatory agencies, um, FDA, FCC, SEC, and all the alphabet agencies didn't exist uh, in the 19th century. And uh, I think they've um, eroded freedom. So um, it's gotten, worse in some important ways and uh i guess you know in every country has its own dynamics so i know like 
um, China was, you know, very anti-freedom under Mao. And then they liberated somewhat, I guess, in the 70s, uh, after post-Mao. Um, they started to liberate a bit. And uh, I don't know all the ups and downs, but I think in general, it had been getting better. Although there was the Tiananmen Square massacre in 1989, which I think is still covered up uh, by the I Chinese. Think so, yeah. Yeah, I was talking to someone recently, um, someone from China. She didn't even know about it. I, I had to tell her about Tiananmen Square. Um, this is just someone I met online. Um, Jeez. Yeah. And she was Chinese, but she, she didn't know about Tiananmen Square. Um, so, and, and I think I've heard that it's got from Yaron Brook, actually. I listened to his show um, uh, fairly often. Uh, he talks about how China has gotten worse over the last few years. Um, so uh, it's, I mean, so maybe uh, other places in, you know, there, I don't know how, what's going to happen when in, in Hong Kong, if they're, um, I mean, they were, I don't follow very closely what goes on in these places, but so, so you were asking for like, um, like why is it that people in these these other countries like Taiwan or maybe we can add in Hong Kong are more pro-freedom than they are in the US? Um, maybe some of it has to do with the, the intellectuals that are, um, Kind of the the main voices in the U.S. I mean, in the U.S., the universities are, I think, they're largely leftists, Marxist even, um, in their political orientation, and that so that's kind of the ideas that so many people are taught, and then those ideas. Uh, I mean, a lot of people in the media who went to the universities, they, I guess, that's where they pick up. A lot of their leftism and so the media is also uh very leftist um at least in terms of like the newspapers or um cable news i mean there are exceptions like like fox which maybe is uh bad in a different way i haven't followed them closely but i think they've become um more tr they become pro-Trump. That's my sense uh, from the very little. I, 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 don't, I, I don't watch them much, but um, from what I hear about them and the little that I, I, I see clips now and then, um, they seem pro-Trump. So, and I, I don't think that's, that's a very good alternative. I think it's, it's, it's a bad alternative to, to the left. Um, but it's, a, it's another tribe it's um that's out there so 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 why is it that that people in in the u.s are less pro-freedom than people in hong kong or taiwan i mean i don't 
I don't know that that's the case actually, that they are less, um, I just because I don't, I mean, maybe they are, but I, I just don't know enough about the people of Hong Kong or, um, or Taiwan. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't either, right? Like, obviously, I don't, I don't live there or anything, but it just, at the very, you know, at least on the surface, right, it seems like they're the ideals of both Hong Kong and Taiwan, you know, are both like, you know, pro freedom, right? Like, that's almost like, all, all they stand for, you know, like their their main thing, right? And then maybe I'm it's just because I'm young and I'm, you know, kind of looking at it with a fresh set of eyes. And um, but like it doesn't really seem like there's a lot going on in the U.S. that's really like pro freedom at all, right? Like, um, like almost every like big political movement has almost nothing nothing to do with freedom, right? And when it is, it's kind of like in a misguided way, um, and. I don't know. It just seems kind of strange to like be living in the U.S., right? And like, freedom is supposed to be—at least I thought—one of our main things, you know. And then, it a lot of the things that we have are fighting for seem like at the very base, best, like a diluted form of freedom, right? And then you see places like Hong Kong and Taiwan, and it's like the the purest form of <laughs> freedom, like possible, where they're like under actual threat, you know, of like not being free, right? So, well, I mean, one thought I had what is um, maybe the re so if they are more pro freedom, which may very well be, um, I mean, you see them waving these flags and not burning flags, um, American flags. Um, maybe it's because they see up close and personal the, the nature of anti freedom. So if, if they're being very close to the Chinese governments and having to uh, deal with that menace, uh, they 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 can value freedom, or they're more inclined to value freedom. They don't take it for granted as much because they see uh, what happens when you don't have it in a way that's less obvious to people who are living in the U.S., where freedom is not as much under threat, at least not in the way or to the extent that it is from people in um, that, that people face in Hong Kong or, or Taiwan. So maybe that's, that's part of the, the reason. Another example that comes to mind is um, like Cuba. Like if you live in Cuba and you've risked your life, you've come to Miami, you've, uh, you know, risked getting eaten by sharks or whatever to cross the water. Um, you know, those people who've, who've seen uh, communism or socialism firsthand, they've lived in it, they, they will appreciate freedom more than people who have lived in more insulated life in the U.S. and they don't, they might be exposed to these rosy pictures of what socialism is or communism, but they haven't actually experienced it. And so they have, they're more open to it. So maybe that's part of the, what would explain why people in these other countries have the more pro-freedom attitude. Um, so immigrants, you might say, have a more pro-freedom freedom attitude, at least some immigrants, than native people you know, born in America. Right, yeah. 
Yeah, no, that's a good point. Yeah, I, I but I, I think you, you you were raising some other points as well in your last uh, when you were speaking uh, before. I'm not sure if I addressed uh, the point you were raising just before. No, I that pretty much yeah pretty much uh, hit what I was looking okay. for. Um, yeah, no, I, I guess it's um you made some good points too. I guess I I may have gotten a little uh sometimes it's hard to look at like the overall state of the US and maybe not get depressed sometimes if you're looking at it from like a freedom angle. Um, but what you brought up with like, uh, you know, rights for, for certain groups of people, right, becoming better, it's not like it's all bad. So I I, guess I, I should keep that in mind too, for sure. Um, but, uh, but yeah, um, no, thanks. That was, a, that was a really good answer. There's certain I, um, areas like, um, I think the, the tech world, uh has been quite free i mean there's so much innovation that's gone on in silicon valley um which we we benefited from or zoom technology which we're using right now um so in that area which has been very free and unregulated there's been tremendous progress but in other areas um like healthcare that are very regulated i think you know that there hasn't been nearly as much progress and maybe maybe things have gotten worse in some ways um so i mean there there have been some some improvements like uh like plastic surgery for example which uh you know maybe 50 years ago was a very very rare thing but i think it's become much more common um for cosmetic surgery um, and uh i mean these vaccines that have been produced in record time the covid vaccines that's that's progress um so there there have been some improvements e even in the medical healthcare areas uh but there's still <laughs> a lot more improvement that, that needs to happen. It's not nearly as good as I think it could be if if it were more free. Right. Yeah. No, I that makes sense for sure. Um yeah, okay. Um well I had one one last thing I kind of wanted to to talk to you about. Um do we have time? Is that yeah. Okay. Um one thing I, I wanted to ask is um I don't really know that much. I have like a vague understanding, but I don't really know that much about how Ayn Rand or objectively objectivism in general um, talks about really like art or media, like forms of entertainment, anything like that. Um, but sometimes when um, I'm not sure if you've seen the Joker, but um, Euron Brook did a, uh, a like a video, a movie analysis of the Joker and even though I thought it was it was pretty good, like he kind of went on maybe like a, a morally based kind of like rant about like how movies like that really aren't good and they don't show like heroic sides of people. They show just like people giving into like rage, right, and stuff like that. And um, I, I guess I, I wonder like what what what's like your opinion or, or how do you think like Ayn Rand kind of felt about like forms of art, right? Like. I kind of got like the the feeling that modern art is kind of 
not good in like an objectivist kind of eye and like you know like greek classical art and stuff like that is better um but i'm just not really sure like why or or how we should kind of like view art and entertainment and even things like music well she wrote a book a collection of essays called the romantic manifesto which is the main source i would recommend to learn about her view of art she talks a lot about literature i think that may I think a philosophy of literature or something like that might be the subtitle of the book, but she talks about other art forms as well, but I think just not as much. So I, I would um, recommend that. Um, and she does talk some about various schools of art uh, historically. Um, I don't recall what she says about Greek art or or if she addresses it she probably says at least a little about it um but but yes modern art i don't think she even considered art i mean if we're talking about things like um a jackson pollock painting where it's just splatters of paints <laughs> right. on a canvas uh, it didn't even rise to the level of being art it was like anti-art it was and i think she considered it nihilistic because it was just um, trying to destroy what was good about art. So in her view, art is a selective recreation of reality. That was, uh, that's part of her definition of what art is, a selective recreation of reality, according to an artist's metaphysical value judgments. I think that's the full definition, which, uh, you know, so it, it packs in, um, various things there but I guess something like Pollock is very non-selective and it's not really a cre recreation of reality I mean what is that it's right. um it's not uh, a stylized version of something you might encounter in in reality like her her heroes in her novels you might think they're very stylized streamlined versions of human beings they're 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 portrayed in such a way that like Howard Rourke, for example, in the, in the Fountainhead, he really embodies independence and, and integrity. Um, but what is something like a bunch of paint smears uh, embody? Or is it just meaningless? Is it just um, uh, kind of mocking the art form is it a way of saying like let me see what i can get away with here um so or anti-tonal music like to take another art form where you know it's just uh you know screeches of sounds um so i think she considered modern art to be nihilistic and not really art uh something like the joker I, I haven't seen the joker so i uh, i can't really comment on that but um it, it, i think that may be i don't think she, it's it's not art uh if, if it's a movie <laughs> i mean if it was just like a a blank screen for two hours i think that might be an example of maybe nihilism and <laughs> right. in movies but you know if it's got a story there's some kind of plot 
um, um, some kind of theme. Uh, it could be an art. She might not like it, um, but uh, I don't know that she would say it's not art. Um, I would have to know the film better. Um, right, yeah, I was just giving that as an example, but yeah, I mean, I guess, yeah, I mean, you answered it. I was just kind of curious as to what, um, you know, maybe I should be looking out for or just think, kind of thinking about when I, you know, look at look at things like that. But yeah, no, that was a good answer. Okay. Yeah. I, uh, so was that a recent, I, I don't remember uh, Yaron Brooks' uh, discussion of the Joker. Was that yeah, I, a while I, ago? I think Joker maybe have been like one or two years ago it came out, um, but it, it was a fairly recent film. But yeah, I mean, just to give you a, a brief like little thing, basically it's just about um, a guy who like is kind of like a loser in life, right? And he, he's kind of like a nice guy, but like in the movie, there's like these big like rich guys that are like mean to him, right? And he basically just like snaps and kills people and like is like, you know, when a society is bad to, to people like me, like the losers, then the losers are going to kind of rise up and, you know, like, uh, it's kind of like a tragic story, but it doesn't really, you know, it's, I guess, morality is that, like, if people are treated badly, it's okay to, like, snap and kill people, right, and stuff like that to, like, punish the society, right, because he killed, like, innocent people that were just, like, mean to him, you know, like, they didn't do anything <laughs> worth of, like, getting killed for, you know, and stuff like that, so... Mm -hmm. so I think it was more like the morality of the movie that he was kind of judging and stuff like that um mm. but but yeah so I just had never really experienced um an art critique in my life you know like I, I had never really done anything with like any sort of philosophy that like talked about like how you should think about media and stuff like that my my view because I'm pretty young has just been kind of like it's all subjective and if you like it you like it if you don't you don't have you uh, read the Romantic Festo or heard of no, that? No, I, I actually have it. I have it next to my bed, um, along oh. with like eight others of her books um, that I'm trying to get through, mm -hmm. um, but I haven't gotten to it yet. So. Yeah, there's a lot in there that um, I think might be uh, useful for you. I think it's a great book. Um, and uh, like so many of her books, um, I, I learned a tremendous amount from. So yeah, I definitely recommend that for anyone who's who'd like to get a better understanding of art um, and you know the meaning of art and uh, its significance for human beings. And I mean, she have she has a definite. Um, so she she considered herself a romantic realist. I think that was the school that. Uh, she she her her own art would would be uh classified under but i think her book gives you an understanding of uh art in general not just that school of art um so i i think it's valuable you know whether you you happen to like her school of art or other schools of art or or maybe uh, you know both uh, in any case, I think there's a lot to learn from that book. About yeah. art. Well, who's who's that guy that she really likes? Um, it was like the romanticism guy, didn't he? He wrote like The Hunchback of Notre Dame or something like that. What? Uh, Victor Hugo. Yeah, Victor Hugo. 
yeah yeah he he was her her favorite novelist i believe or maybe author and i think she, more than anyone else as an artist i i think she was inspired by hugo's work and he she discusses him somewhat in uh in the romantic manifesto and uh shoshana milgram she, she's uh, given lectures at objectivist conferences about hugo's work 93 i think that's another one uh les miserables uh uh maybe some others as well but yeah i hugo was a big influence on rand's and uh, maybe part of what inspired her to become a novelist. I haven't read Hugo's works. I, I love to, um, but I haven't. So I can't say much myself about him. Um, but I know uh, he was part of the Romantics school of art. Um, right. Okay. Um, there's yeah, also no. a, a uh, a chapter in Leonard Peikoff's book on objectivism, objectivism and the philosophy of Ayn Rand's. The, the very last chapter in that book is on art. And I think that's another very good source to understand uh, her, her views of art. Is that is that what people refer to as OPAR? Yeah, OPAR. Okay. Yeah. Because I saw some people say OPAR and I had no, <laughs> I had no idea what that was. But yeah, no, I, I looked it up and I, just another thing to add to my uh, collection of things to learn about. But um, yeah, no, I, I mean, thanks for your time and everything like that, Dan. I, I actually, another thing, about, I have one quick last thing. Um, sure. I guess it's just a little bit of advice um, to ask from you. Um, I have uh, maybe like one or two friends that um, were sufficiently, uh, what's the word, like malleable enough, I guess, politically and idealistically to kind of listen to me about objectivism um and i don't want to have you ever wanted to like get someone to like a movie series or like a, a tv show and you're like oh you know the best way to look at it is like this one episode you know but you don't want to like start them off on the wrong foot where you don't like them right or where they don't like it and stuff like that i was wondering like what what would you what would you do if or like what have you done what would you recommend i start someone off with like a video or like a book or or what what do you think is like a good way to kind of introduce someone to objectivism be, besides just going through me well the the first thing i ever read was philosophy who needs it that's a collection of nonfiction essays and the 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 first essay in there is called philosophy who needs it and that's the title of the book as well uh i think that's a great essay to start with uh so me, most people they read the fiction first i i read the nonfiction first um that's just what i was most interested in i didn't want to go through his whole story i wanted to hear get straight to the philosophy um I was already interested in philosophy before I ever read Ayn Rand. So for me, at least, I think the nonfiction was a good way to go. And but it, it varies for for different people. Um, some people would be more interested in starting with fiction, and um, 
Anthem, I think might be a good place for many people to start because it's short. It's not a huge commitment. I mean, Alice, that's a big book, (laughs) very long. Fountainhead is long too. And, um, you know, I think it's, it's a big time commitment, much more so than Anthem, which you can just read in a few hours. Uh, So um, that was actually the first uh, fiction I read by Rand. Um, so if time is, is an issue, I think Anthem might be a good place to start if, if the person is more interested in, in fiction. Uh, if nonfiction, I think philosophy who needs it may be the best. That talk was actually intended for a general audience. So it was, it was a speech he gave to the cadets at West Point, the graduating class, I, I think in 1974. And so these weren't objectivists, whereas a lot of her, her, uh, her nonfiction writing, what came out in periodicals that were for subscribers to her, her magazine, The Objectivist or The Objectivist Newsletter. So it already presupposed some familiarity and interest with her ideas, but Philosophy Who Needs It was designed for someone who had no backgrounds um, so that might be a good place to start for many people who, who, um, are coming to Rand for the first time. Gotcha. Okay. I mean, there's also, there, there's a lot of videos online uh, on YouTube, but, um, in terms of her writing, uh, those are some of the, uh, things I would recommend to start with. The lexicon also is, is, um, I think it's a powerful source, the Ayn Rand lexicon. So this is a mini encyclopedia, which was compiled by Harry Binswanger. So it's got quotes from excerpts from Ayn Rand's writings all collected together. So if you want to see what did she say about abortion? Well, there's there's an entry in there on abortion and it's got some quotes or what did she say about capitalism or uh, Aristotle or whatever. So if uh, someone is just interested in random topics, or if you are, you know, what did she have to say about X? I think the Ayn Rand lexicon is a good place to go. And that's, that's available free online. So those are some, yeah. some resources. Yeah, I mean, that's good for me too. I didn't know about that. So yeah, no, I appreciate that. No, I think you, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll definitely, I typed it into my computer right now. So yeah, no, but- When uh, did you first read Rand? Oh, God, I only like, realistically only like a year ago maybe a little bit more okay so I how mean, did you discover rant um well it was i first probably found out about it was kind of like a slippery slope my my dad who's a um who likes ayn rand but it is kind of a little bit more of like a libertarian um introduced me to libertarianism right and he was like oh he was telling me capitalism is good freedom is good have you ever read ayn rand and i i think atlas shrugged is one of his favorite books of all time um so he has a library he showed me it i kind of just started to learn more about it and then i think one day i typed in objectivism into youtube and it was the um dave rubin and Yuram brook interview um mm-hmm. that was good and then i found Yuram brook's channel where he has like it was he has like a series called Euron Answers, and it's like little three to ten minute videos about like all these different topics. And man, as a as a young guy, you know, like the three minute videos, they they really get me. You know, like mm-hmm. the the attention span wasn't quite there for me at the time. So, uh, you know, I started watching more and more videos the more I got into it. Um, 
and then longer videos and things like that. So I guess that's how I got started. So I have uh, my dad to thank for that, I suppose. But okay. Yeah, I know the uh, that Dave Rubin interview got a lot of uh, attention. I think that's one of the most uh, popular videos he's done, and I think he got a lot of subscribers out of it too. Yeah, that's what he said. Yeah, because I saw you're on, and um, he came up to Michigan State. Um, and, and I saw him and it was really cool. And he was talking about that. So, yeah, but yeah, but again, I, I really, really appreciate this. Um, Dan, this actually helped me out quite a bit. <laughs> so happy yeah. to, happy to do it. So, uh, thanks for uh, proposing the idea. Glad we could yeah. uh, have this, have this chat. Yep. No, thank you. All right. Well, uh, have a great the rest of your weekends and yeah. uh i guess i'll be seeing you online yeah yep you have a good one too dan thanks again have a good one okay bye 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 if you'd like to support more videos like this in my work of advancing ayn rand's ideas more generally you can help by liking subscribing sharing and becoming a contributor on patreon thanks for watching and i'll see you in my next video